Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. Folks, we are continuing on in our study today concerning basic training, equipping you for life. And, and how we entered into this series was as we're trying here at the church to, to give you a foundation once again in your life of truth so that you can go on and live the lives that Christ wants you to live. Because as we live in this world, it's so easy to be distracted, it's so easy to be defeated, and it's so easy to forget the things that are foundational to our lives. And one of the things that I have noticed as a pastor is that people have a tendency to forget what the whole issue of salvation is about. And if you're going to live out of that salvation and function in this world and live for Christ in your lives, you need to understand why Jesus had to come to the cross and die for your sins. So as we entered into this basic training series, we, we've divided it into three phases. The first phase being truth. We want to have that foundation of truth in our lives. We'll enter into the second phase, which is called righteousness, knowing how to function and how to live out of the truth that we've learned in the first phase. And then the final phase is mission, knowing what we need to do within our own church and in our own world as we live for Christ. So as we've been laying down this foundation of grasping and understanding our salvation, we've looked at a couple things already. We've looked at the whole issue of why we are in this mess we're in, and we saw the sin of Adam and Eve. And the implications of Adam and Eve's sin is that it reflected on all of us. All of us are guilty because of their sin. And that resulted in several things. It resulted in condemnation which we're going to look at a little bit further next week. But it also affected the very nature of who human beings are. It affected the nature of how we are to operate in this world. And so we see that in this epistle that Paul is writing to the Ephesians. We see him telling the Ephesians that before Christ, they operated, they were basically functioning, their very nature was coming out of that fallen state. In fact, look with me. We'll read it together here. In verse 1, he writes, And you, referring to the Ephesians, He made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom... Also, we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others. So what we're going to see here in this text, we're going to look at our nature. What was it about the nature of, of fallen man, you and I before Christ, the nature of man right now without Christ, and then we're going to see that there is some implication for you and I as far as how we're to live our lives for Christ out of this truth. So let's look at a couple things about the nature. First of all, what we see from this verse is, is that Paul is telling them that before Christ, before they were made alive, he says that they were, what, dead 
in trespasses and sins. So the very first thing I want you to see here is, is that they were spiritually dead. They were spiritually dead. Now, what, what, does, what does that mean, spiritually dead? I mean, because when you look at people today, when you consider your life before Christ, you were very much alive. You were breathing. You were, you were functioning in this world. What, what does it mean to say that you were dead in trespasses and sins? Because that, that really doesn't have a concept that we can grab a hold of. Really what it's talking about here is a spiritual death, not a physical death. Because... People without Christ are very much alive physically. What it's talking about here is that they were alienated from the life of God. They were alienated from the life of God. It's really talking about a relational death. A spiritual death where there is a connection between creator and creation. And what happens is is that there is a, a death that takes place where the two exist, but they're dead to each other. And God is everywhere. He is the creator. Nothing exists that exists without him. He is the basis of all things. And we can get to the place where we live in a coexistence with God without even acknowledging him. And that's what most unsaved people do. They couldn't care less about God. But the sad thing is, is that not only is God dead to them, they are dead to God because of their sin and because of the reality of the curse of the fall, mankind is spiritually dead. Now, there is another aspect here that we need to look at in nature, and that's this. How did this take place? Well, Paul tells us. Paul tells us in verse 1, he says, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Here's the point I want you to see. This spiritual death, this is the result of moral failure. This spiritual death is the result of moral failure. The reason why we are dead relationally to God is because of the moral failure in our lives. And that's, I'm speaking specifically of you and I before we became believers, before we became Christians. But the, the unbeliever in this world is, is dead to God because of the moral failure. In fact, he delineates it in two ways there. He, he refers to it as transgressions, and sins, and here, here's what he's talking about. He's suggesting deliberate acts against God and His righteousness, and thus the failure to live as one should. In fact, one commentator says this: the plural of these two nouns signifies people's repetitious involvement in sin, and hence their state of unregeneration. What happens here is, is that basically what we're seeing is, is that when he says that we're dead in our trespasses and sins. He's talking about the fact that people fail to live as they should and they ignore what they should. You say, what do you mean they fail to live as they should? They fail to live in accordance with what God wants with their life. And therefore they're, they're condemned. They're dead spiritually to God because of the moral failure in their lives. Because of the moral failure. Now, this moral failure comes out of something, so I want you to notice with me, and look at verses 2 and 3, and, and you're going to see something here specifically. In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others. So here's what he's saying. He's going to show us 
that this moral failure that took place in our life that results in this spiritual death is because mankind is guided in three different areas by three different influences. Three different things are influencing mankind today, and you and I need to grab a hold of it. Because I'll be honest with you, Christian, you might be here, and you may know Jesus, but in reality, you might be guided by the same three things. It's possible. So let's look at what they are. First of all, he says that they are guided by the world's value system. They're guided by the world's value system, in which you once walked according to the course of this world. What does the course of this world mean? It means the direction, the direction the world is headed in. You once walked, and you might even be here today, and you're walking in accordance with the way the world is going. And let's be honest, the world, the world's always changing which direction it's going in, isn't it? If you think about what, what is acceptable today, there are things that are accepted today that weren't accepted ten years ago. What changed? The value system of the world. Some of you are old enough to remember what things were like 20 or 30 or 40, even 50 years ago. Haven't things changed? What's changed is what the world accepts. That's their value system. And have you noticed that there only seems to be a certain group of people who react to that, and they tend to be who? Christians. But when it comes to the rest of the world, they kind of just what? They kind of go with the flow, with the direction of the way things, and they change, and they're suddenly changing. Why? Because they were guided by that value system. They're guided by that value system. So here you have fallen man, one of the biggest influences in fallen man's life, which leads him to transgression, which leads him to sinning against God, which is the result, results in spiritual death, is that he is guided by the world's value system. Now let me just stop for a moment. We've got to stop before we go on to show what the other two influences are. Let me just say this to you here who is a Christian. Maybe you're here and you know Jesus. But the reality is, like fallen man, rather than allowing the word of God to guide you, you kind of go with the flow of the way everything else is. You know what I'm talking about? You kind of go with the flow of how the rest of culture is. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Those of you who have a job, maybe you work in a factory or somewhere, or maybe you work somewhere, and they got a time clock on the wall. And here's what you do. You notice that everybody else shows up at the clock 15 minutes before and wait for it to click so that they could what? Swipe out. Why do we do that? We're going with the flow. We're guided by the world's value system. Because it's almost like we're entitled to that 15-minute break, isn't it? Because we wouldn't think about swiping out 15 minutes early. Why not? We don't get paid for it. So we just hang out by the clock. This is what I want you to see. Is that wrong? Yeah, it is wrong. Is it sin? Yes. See, you might be here, and you know Jesus, but rather than be influenced by God's Word and by what He tells you in His Word and be influenced and led by the Spirit of God in your life, you are led by and guided by and conduct yourselves in accordance with what? the course of this world, the value system of the world. Because that's what fallen man does. Fallen man, listen to me, lives according to whatever the flow is. And you know, you ever heard somebody say, oh, that guy, he just tests the wind, whichever direction the wind in, he heads in. You ever hear somebody like that? That's what fallen man is. Whatever's acceptable at the time, 
That's where he's going. So that's what we see there. The first thing is, is that they are guided by the world's value system. Now, the second thing I want you to see here is this. They are influenced by Satan. Listen to me, and we're going to spend a little bit of time here because we have to correct some false thinking here. Listen to what he says here. Who walked according to the course of this world. Now, now the next part there, he's talking about who walked according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in, their, in the sons of disobedience. The first thing I want, you, I want you to grasp here is this, is they're no longer just influenced by what the world is doing. They're influenced by Satan. Now let me correct some false thinking here because a lot of times Christians are more influenced by television than they are by God's Word. You hear what I'm saying? When it comes to our enemy, the enemy of our souls, when it comes to Satan himself, you're more influenced by a movie or what you see on TV than you are by God's Word. And what you see and what it's like, well, you're worried about being possessed or you're worried about that. You know what? You know, those are extreme things, and, and half the time, most of the time, Satan doesn't even need to do that with you and I or with fallen man. He doesn't need to possess people to influence him. Why? Because the reality is, you ever hear of somebody that says that he knows the right buttons to push with people? Ever talk that about somebody? Oh, he just knows how the buttons to push. Satan knows what buttons to push in our lives. He knows how to influence us. And, you know, there's three tactics that he uses in our lives. Three tactics. Accusation, temptation, lies. Accusation, temptation, and lies. And with those three things, he influences us. He guides us in the wrong direction, especially fallen men because they're oblivious. First of all, they don't have any relationship with God whatsoever because they're dead to God. And so therefore, they're open to whatever influence there is. And believe me, he will influence you. And Christian, he will try to influence you. He will try to guide you because he knows what buttons to push with you. So now do you understand when the Bible talks about not giving place to the devil because you need to deal with the issues of forgiveness in your life and bitterness? Because why? You're giving him a button to push in your life. You're giving him an area in your life that he can influence. And guess what? If you know the button, if he knows the buttons to push in your life, and believe me, he does, if he knows the buttons, He's going to push them to guide your life. See, he observes us. He knows us. He knows your weaknesses. He knows the buttons to push to influence you to do wrong. And my friends, if he does that for believers, you better believe that he does it for unsaved people. He does it for fallen man. They are influenced by the enemy. He doesn't have to possess them. He just knows how to push their buttons. He whispers lies. He gives temptations. He uses accusation. Paul's saying, okay, you take a fallen man, and even for a Christian who's not influenced by the Word of God, he's going to be influenced by something. There's a third area in which we're influenced. There's a third area in which we are guided. And here's what it is. They live according to their desires. They live according to their desires. Look with me at verse 3. Among whom... Also, we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others. See, when you take a fallen man, when you take a person without Jesus, here's what happens. They, they're, they're not just influenced by what the world is doing. They're not just influenced by Satan. 
the biggest influence in their life is what they want. The desires of their flesh. See, they're natural. They're natural man as the Bible describes them. So, like for instance, you know, when I, when I have an itch, what's our tendency? We what? Scratch. If a big ugly mosquito landed on my arm and started sucking out my blood, what am I going to do? Swat it. Why? Now, why did that happen? Is it because I sat there and thought, no, should I let that bug drink of me? Oh, I should let him just go on. No, I mean, it's a natural reaction. Your body is in charge, and you're going to say, get out of here. And this is what we're talking about. When you talk about fallen man, his whole life is not just influenced by the world or by Satan. His life is driven by what he wants. His life is driven not by what he wants, but by what she wants. By the desires, and he uses another word here, lusts of the flesh. Now let me explain something to you. When we use that word lust, we usually think in terms of sexual sin, but that's not just an area of sex that we're talking about here. We're not just talking about sexual desire. We're talking about an extreme desire for something else. So my friends, you could be here and you lust after chocolate. Some of you do. You can't go through the checkout line at, at Walmart without buying a candy bar. And have you noticed, that's why the candy bars are there, aren't they? That it's, it's, it, the technical marketing term for it is for impulse buying. But what's it for, actually? To stir up within you what? I mean, you walked in there, you weren't even hungry. You went through the whole store and you didn't get anything, but there you are, you're waiting forever, and you're looking around and you say, oh, a Snickers. And all of a sudden, something wells up within you. And guess what you do? You reach over and you grab one or two or three, and you put them on the belt, and you pay for them. What's happening there? Who influenced you? wasn't the world. Satan didn't even need to bother. It was your own desires. See, now that's, that's just a little, but I mean, it can't be extreme beyond that to the, any other type of thing. Because temptation and lust can be in many areas. Sex, money, power, position. And you've, you and I have seen folks who are driven by their jobs, who are driven by sex, who are driven in so many different areas. It's because who's in control? Are they in control? No. Their bodies are in control. Why? Because your body is going to influence you. And so you see natural man, you see fallen man, man without Jesus, or woman without Christ, they're influenced by their bodies. They're influenced by their bodies. They live according to their desires. But there is one other aspect in which Paul makes about fallen man. We've seen the influences. We see their influence in three areas. We see that they're spiritually dead because they're, they're, they're a moral failure, which results because of those influences. But Paul kind of tells us one other thing about them. And this is the one that really today, can I be honest with you, North American Christians even have a hard time grasping. Look at with me at what he says in verse 3. And we're by nature children of wrath, just as others. Here's what he's saying. They're condemned by God. They're condemned by God. Now here's, here's the problem with that one, because we look at that and we look at that word wrath and we say, well, hold, 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 hold on a second. I mean, that, that doesn't sound like God. 
God doesn't show wrath because we have a wrong definition of wrath because in our human mind we have one definition of wrath which is not the definition we see here. When we think of wrath, we think about somebody losing it emotionally in anger. And, oh, I don't want to face the wrath of my dad. And what they mean by that is his dad's going to lose it and he's going to be emotionally out of control. That is not what the Bible is talking about here. The wrath that he is talking about here is not an emotional wrath reaction, because God doesn't react. But what he's talking about here is a judicial wrath. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Pennsylvania is one of many states that has the death penalty. And so, let's say an individual kills someone, murders someone, and he goes to court, he goes to trial, and he is found guilty, and then the jury then agrees to sentence him to death. The state then sentences him to death, and he then awaits the death penalty. When that individual faces the death penalty, he will face, listen to me, this is what technically it is, he will face the wrath of the state for his act of murder. It's a judicial wrath. The state isn't reacting out of emotion. The state is reacting out of a sense of justice, a judicial wrath. This is the same type of wrath we see here. God, because of his holy standard, and because we have transgressed it, because we have sinned, and we have fallen short, mankind has on his head a judicial sentence of death. And so when Paul says that we are the children of wrath, what's he saying there? He is saying we carry with us a death sentence. And you're saying, well, wait a minute, I'm saved now. Okay, yes, because that somebody else paid that price for your sentence. Jesus. But my friends, fallen man, they carry with them a death sentence. Now here's the interesting thing about the death sentence. That death sentence has already been decreed. And what we do is we operate from lies which says, well, well, all they need to do is lead a good life and they'll be okay. It has nothing to do with that. It has nothing to do with that. Because you see, one transgression of the law results in death. And it doesn't matter how many right things you do afterwards, it doesn't remove that wrath. See, this is ultimately why Jesus had to go to the cross and die. Because he paid the penalty for our sin. In fact, when this Bible describes him as the propitiation, that big Bible word that some of you struggle with, the big, that he is the propitiation for our sin, that word means wrath satisfier. He satisfied the judicial wrath of God towards us. So here you see fallen man. Here he is. He's alienated from God, spiritually dead to him because of his sin. He's influenced in three different areas. He's influenced by the world. He's influenced by Satan. And he's influenced in a major way by himself because of his own desires. And he carries with himself a death penalty. He's going to hell. Aren't you glad for Jesus? Let's go back to verse 1 because here's what he's saying. Paul says this, And you he made alive. See, this passage and this description of what he's talking about, he's directing it towards believers and saying, guys, this is who you once were, because he made you alive. Go over with me now to Psalms, Psalm chapter 1. Did you say, okay, George, you're telling me, you're telling me who I once was. What, what does this mean for me? Well, I think if we go all the way to Psalm 1, beautiful Psalm, I think we see the application here, because when you understand where fallen man is, when you understand 
where man without Jesus is, it helps you to understand what Psalm 1 is saying. Because look at what he says, Psalm 1. Blessed is he who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment or sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the ways of the ungodly shall perish. Here's a couple of things I want you to see. First thing we see from this psalm, very beginning, he, he issues it as a blessing. He said, blessed is the man who, and he does what? Does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, does not stand in the paths of sinner, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Here's what he's saying. Avoid the lifestyle of unbelievers. What lifestyle, George? We just talked about it. The lifestyle of fallen man, of unbeliever, is what? Influenced in three different areas. Spiritually dead to God. Carrying on themselves the death penalty of Christ and God himself. What's he saying here? Don't live the way they live. Don't listen to their counsel. Don't walk in their ways. Don't even sit in their seats of judgment over others according to their value system. They're fallen. Listen, Christian, some of you here, you live your life in accordance with what everybody else thinks. And the way you view things is based upon what everybody else thinks. It has nothing to do with what this says. It's not right. And look at what the psalmist says. The psalmist very clearly says that blessed is the man, and I would even add there, the woman who doesn't live according to this way, but lives according to God's word. In fact, that's my next point. Security is found in our relationship with God. Look at how the person is described there in their relationship. But his, who's the his here? It's the individual who loves God. His delight is in the law of the Lord. His delight is in God's word. Listen to what it says. And by his law he meditates day and night. So he thinks on his word, and if you're going to think on it, meditate on it, believe me, it's going to come out in the way you live your life. And here's what he says about his life. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its full season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever it does shall prosper. You know, I live right here along Anderson Creek, and we got some big trees along there, and guess where they draw their moisture out of? Creek. When we have times of dryness around here, they're doing okay. Why? Because their source is the creek. This is what he's saying to you. Everybody else, if you notice, when time goes tough, there's no hope, there's no, there's no prosperity in the mind of an unbeliever, because they have nothing but you. Even though times go tough, you can have strength. Why? Because you draw your strength where? From God himself and from his word. See, this is the nature of fallen man. You and I have to make a choice. How are we going to live our lives? How are we going to live our lives? In fact, which brings me to my conclusion. What does your life reflect? 
What does your life reflect? What do you, what do you mean by that, George? What, what are the influences in your life? Are you more likely to be influenced by what the world's doing? Are you more likely to allow Satan to push the buttons in your life? Are you more likely to be influenced by what your own flesh wants and your own desires are? What's in, who, who's your life reflecting? Is it a life like that, or is it a life like we see in Psalm 1, where the person meditates and is, is rooted in a relationship with God, and there's strength there? Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.